Well, good morning to you all. It's great to be with you and in the Lord's house together. Uh, several of you this morning asked uh, how I'm doing because I, I ditched out last week. Uh, so a week ago, uh, my wife and I were able to spend a few days at our association's uh, conference, and uh, then we planned to take an extra day just to celebrate our anniversary and stay up in the Monterey area. Uh, but I got sick, and uh, we stayed anyway. And then we w- did a quick trip down to pick up Caleb in, in Escondido, who was also sick. And uh, Heather transported the two stickies around back, back here. But, uh, but we're all feeling great now, and, and the sun's out, and it's a lovely day, and it's good to be with you here together. Uh, it's fun to see some people this morning I haven't seen in a while. Great to have the Stanleys here, and uh, um, who uh, run the camp down in uh, Lopez Canyon. And uh, anyway, good morning to you. Uh, I wonder, we're coming to the end of uh, January, and I wonder how New Year's resolutions are doing. I brought my exercise ball this morning. So it's this about this time. Oh, and I brought my weights. There you go. See if that will stay. Um, are you sticking with your resolutions? It's going pretty good. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I haven't started yet. So, I, uh, you know, Christmas happens, and then company happens, and then uh, a conference happens, and then, you know, I'm playing sick for a few days, and so I'm just getting ready to start my uh, New Year's resolutions, uh, whatever they were. Uh, So, a lot of times, our New Year's resolutions are about staying in shape, are about uh, eating right, uh, being uh, healthy, exercising. Often that's you know, a common resolution, and it's been one of mine before. Because we know there's so many benefits uh, to physical exercise and eating right, aren't there? There's, uh, you know, we, we feel better, we get stronger, we, we look better, we avoid certain diseases, uh, more, more energy, more focus, all these benefits. And yet, even with all that we know, sometimes it's still hard just day-to-day to follow through on those resolutions. Well, this morning we're going to talk about spiritual training, which is enormous of enormous value, but real similar to physical training. Sometimes day-to-day, we, uh, we have trouble remembering how critical it is. And the days slip by, and the resolutions slip by, we w- know we want to be a certain kind of person, but when it comes to getting there, sometimes we, we just don't, don't make it. Um, so this morning we're going to talk about how do I train my soul, and is it worth it? Well, I really want to convince you that training your soul is the most important pursuit that you can have. Uh, and that will be kind of the theme of this passage and of this message this morning. Uh, physical training, uh, although it has great value... Uh, it pales in comparison to spiritual training. So just a reminder, we're in this series um, in 1 Timothy, written by Paul to younger Timothy to, to tell him how to uh, set things in order at the church in Ephesus, how to do church as God intended. And he has all this ad- advice and counsel uh, for younger Timothy. And in fact, we've been here a, a couple months and uh, from the first of the book to the passage we looked at a couple weeks ago, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, in that whole time up till now, there are no 
commands or direct imperatives in that whole section. Paul is saying things like, here's how I would do it, here's what's important, here's what to watch out for, etc. And now in this passage we'll look at today, there are 11 commands, 11 direct comments. It's as if he's saying, you know, I've talked about these things, and you know, here's things are important, here's things to look out for. Now, Timothy, here's what to do. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's where we get down to brass tacks. Whatever phrase you want to put there is uh, get down to the business of actually doing the thing that changes lives. And that thing is soul training. So what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to read through the passage and make some, um, some uh, brief comments and some observations about what soul training looks like, what, what it is, what it means to spiritually train our souls. And then we're going to look at five ways after that of, of why uh, it has enormous value, why the effort is so, so worth it. So we'll be in 1 Timothy 4, 6 to 16. So starting in verse 6, it says this. If you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Uh, That's the goal, to be a good servant of Christ Jesus, to be uh, a good Christian, so to speak. You know, you're, you're doing, you're following Christ the way you're supposed to. Okay, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Being trained or nurtured or brought up in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. In other words, feed your soul on faith and truth. Verse 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself to godliness. Literally, that expression to train, it's, it's used of, of training, well, not to be graphic, but training naked in the Greek games. You know, it's serious business uh, of a training gym. The word's actually... Uh, Gymnazo, which obviously we get the word gymnasium from, from that word, uh, to train toward godliness. Again, this is the goal, that we'd be a godly sort of person. Verse 8, for while bodily training is of some value, as we know, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and it deserves full acceptance. Verse 10. For to this end we toil, exhausting labor, and we strive. Another another Greek games um, word here. Because we have our hopes set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set an example to the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. See, these are the, the realms of training. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands on you. Practice these things, or literally give careful a thought or attention to them. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Uh, let's just ask the Lord's uh, direction as we, as we study this passage together. Uh, God, so thankful for your word, and so thankful that you haven't just told us, B, 
be spiritual, but you have uh, explained to us how, and you've explained to us why. And so I pray that you would just instruct us from this passage this morning and do it for Christ's sake. Amen. Just a few observations from uh, this passage about what, what it means to train your soul. What, what does spiritual training look like? And first, I think soul training requires nurturing your own soul as well as serving others. We saw that in a, in a couple of places um, toward the end in verse 15. Uh, sorry, in verse 16. Uh, keep close watch on yourself and on your teaching. In other words, pay attention to your own heart and also be serving others. Uh, earlier in verse 6, we, we saw being nurtured by the words of faith and the good doctrine you followed. So it's this two-part thing of tending your own soul and then using your gifts to serve others. And that's kind of a theme throughout this whole passage. So it's not the, the, the monk who just hides away and only pays attention to their own soul. And it's not just the religious workaholic that's just doing, doing, doing for Christ, but it's a combination of the, the intake of the nurturing of the soul and the outward expression and serving. So there's kind of two aspects of, of soul training. Uh, second, a little observation is that soul training requires uh, these realms tending to your speech, you know, what, what you talk about, <laughs> your conduct, you know, how you act, your love, the way you, you treat other people, the way you value other people, your faith, your purity. We could say it involves the realms of, of just all of life shaping your life to look more like Jesus' life. That's, that's kind of, if you take all the different character qualities and parts of your world, how to shape those to be more like, like Jesus. These are the realms of training. And, and a third observation here of what it means to train your soul. It takes consistent effort over the long haul. In, in verse 16, it says, persist in this. It's this picture of standing your ground over time. And that's what it looks like to train your soul. The problem, we like a quick change we like a three easy steps we like a formula we like a program to fix things we like what i call a montage you know what that is in in film where a bunch of short little uh pieces of film are all crammed together usually to a song and and it makes you know this passing of time happens in just just you know a few moments because who could endure watching that happen sometimes it's the changing of seasons or watching somebody grow up one of my favorites is the first few minutes of the movie Up. Have you seen that? It's really a great montage. In fact, you could just stop the movie right there and it'd be, it'd be a great film. Um, but a lot of montages in movies are training scenes. So uh, it might be a sports training or a battle training. Uh, here's, here's some classics. Mulan. You know, in the period of one song, you go from this haphazard group to this, you know, finely tuned, you know, battle group. It only takes one song to do that. Uh, there's some other good ones. Uh, Rocky Balboa, and I confess, I know it's very un-American, but I've yet to see any of the Rocky films. But, um, but they're famous for the montage, which I, I've, I've seen just the montage. Uh, the, the Karate Kid, you know, the, 
the little clips of him training, the waxing the cars and painting the fence and all that. And after those few short minutes of film, all of a sudden he's a whole new guy. Um, the the second the Star Wars film, Empire Strikes Back, where um, Luke is training on Dagobah. You know, for the two people out there who are Star Wars people, and uh, in just a very short time, a whiny little kid becomes a uh, a Jedi Knight. Uh, still whiny, but uh, but nonetheless, you know, it's a montage that happens so briefly, and we want that to happen in our own lives. But life is not a montage. It's the day after day, committing to do the right thing, to train our souls. We're in it for the long haul. And that's what soul training is. It's a million little moments. Like, today will I get up when my alarm went off because I was planning to spend some time reading God's Word, or will I just sleep a little more? It's like just this tiny little battle, a little moment. Am I going to kind of fudge on that test, or as an adult, fudge on those taxes, or am I just going to be honest and suffer the consequences of that? Will I linger in gaze at that man or woman, or will I turn my attention other ways? Will I say that funny or cutting, funny but cutting comment, or will I just keep my mouth shut? It's all these little moments, little moments over time that begins to, to shape us as we train. And it's a long process, and it's not an easy process, but I want to convince you now that it's such a worthwhile process. And that's where we'll spend the rest of our time this morning. Why does Paul say that it's worth it to train your soul? Why is soul training worth it? And I think, first of all, it's because it's profitable, not just now, but for eternity. Verse 8 says, While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. Some value, it's literally, you know, of insignificant uh, value or comparatively little value. So I I see some, you know, Christian uh, workout routines or something. They they latch onto this verse, you know, like, see, the Bible says it's of some value. Well, well, yeah, it does. But what it means is that it's far less value than spiritual training. Um, So the point is how great the spiritual training is in every way, in all aspects of life. And why? The end of verse 8 says, because it holds promise for the present life. And also for what? For the life to come. For eternity. So it's both. It's not just eternity, but it is also eternity. So for for now, what does soul training do? You see yourself becoming the person you were designed to be. You see yourself becoming a better person, more like Jesus, experiencing the joy the satisfaction, the fulfillment of living life as God intended. That's a huge, huge benefit. But it just doesn't stop there. It goes on into eternity. Spiritual training is the only kind of training that echoes into eternity. Has anyone ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? I don't know where the closest one is, and I haven't been in, you know, a really long time. Um, so if you play some of the games, you know, you pay, you pay money, you get tokens, you you play games and you can get tickets for, you know, getting high scores or for rolling the ball into the thing or, or whatever. And uh, this little girl's got just a ton of tickets. The problem is those tickets are only usable at Chuck E. Cheese. 
And so this might look like you're a millionaire with all these tickets. And you bring them up to the counter, and there's like these little trinkets of nonsense toys. You're like, this is all I can get. So if we focus on just the other realms of training, it's kind of like that. We got the end of the life. Oh, I can only use these here. It's like this is all there is. But spiritual training is like, you know, cold, hard cash that's good when you leave Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> it's good forever. When you invest in your soul and in the spiritual lives of others, you're impacting eternity. We mentioned this morning um, Nancy Delagana. She gave her life for the ministry in uh, Bangladesh. Someone said 40 years. My, uh, it's kind of a remote relationship. My mom's cousin and her husband, um, the, the Hook, spent uh, about 40 years in uh, a little tribe in Papua New Guinea. They, they went there as, you know, young marrieds, and they learned the language of this completely unreached tribe. They, they translated the Bible into, you know, first the New Testament, then the Old Testament into the language of these people. And uh, what do they have to show for it? Just a group of people who believe and trust God and have Bible in their own language that never would have without that. Um, that would be really exciting if you saw it as a montage. You know, they're showing up in the, in the boat, on the plane. They're doing this. The church is built. All these things happen. And in one minute, too, like maybe a really uh, touching song. And it's like, there you go. But in the reality, it's day after day, year after year, you know, mosquitoes and hardships and, you know, difficulties with the translating and such and such. But at the end of their lives, what do they have to show for it? Enormous spiritual value. Verse 9 says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. This saying about the value of soul training, it's like you could put that on a plaque and hang it on your wall. You, you can make a cross stitch of that. Train yourself for godliness. That took me so long to cross stitch that this week. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Maybe you can put it on a plaque. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. Or perhaps an inspirational poster on your wall. Paul's saying, you could, you could, you know, you could frame this, keep this thought ever before you, the value of spiritual training. So, like physical exercise, and we'll see these uh, comparison throughout and, and contrast. Like physical exercise, the payoff is not immediate. It's a long-haul thing. It's eternity thing. But unlike physical training, soul training is founded on something a whole lot more certain. It puts your hope in the certainty of the living God. Verse 10 says this. It starts out this way. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the living God. We strive and labor like it, like it was this big contest, like our life's depended on it, because we have confidence in a God who is alive. We're, we're not following a, a philosophy or, or a dead hero or an ideal, but we're following a true and living God, and we can, we can bank on that. And that's why spiritual exercise is of such enormous value because it counts on something that's so certain. 
And what is God's desire? What is his plan? What is he trying to accomplish? The end of the verse says this. Who's the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. We might say God's plan or his desire is to rescue people from the domain of darkness and transform them into the likeness of Jesus. So he's taking people from wherever they are, they're, they're outside his family, and he's bringing them into his kingdom, into his realm. And once they're in, then he's transforming us each day to be more and more like Jesus. That's, that's his big plan. That's what he's doing in the world. And when we train spiritually, we're just joining in what God's doing. This is what he's up to, and this is what we should be up to. Physical training has a world of benefits, but unlike soul training, it's based on uncertainties. Because, you know, in, in physical training, somebody, you know, even a pro athlete or this up-and-coming star has all the credentials, all the efforts put into training, and, and a, an illness, an accident, you know, some kind of freak thing happens, and, and, and it's all a loss. You know, they're, they're completely sidelined. But spiritual training doesn't happen like that. Spiritual training is putting our hope in something certain, something eternal, and that's that there is a living God who's at work in us. When you make daily decisions to train your soul, you're making a sure investment, as surely as the Lord lives. Uh, this quote's been around in, in various forms. Um, this, is, this is probably where it originated with is, is Charles Bud Wilkinson, a coach of University of Oklahoma. It says 20, this is describing what football is. It's 22 boys on the field, badly in need of rest, and 40,000 people in the stands badly in need of exercise. And this was, this was a coach's summary of, of the game, um, which is, you know, not terribly far off uh, at times. But, but here's the great thing about, about soul training. And the next thing uh, that Paul tells us about is that soul training is for everyone. We don't gather to... Uh, to venerate those people who, who did this well. Like, oh, here's the real spiritual people. Let's just sit around and be inspired by them. No, soul training is for you and it's for me. It is for everybody. It's not limited by where you came from, who you are, your, your ethnicity, your social status, your, your background, your age. Verse 11 Paul says to Timothy, command and teach these things. And in verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth. You know, Timothy was relatively young, but Paul was putting him in charge. Don't let, uh, you know, Timothy, I know people think you're young, but don't let that uh, sideline you. Jump in, focus on training your soul. It's not about all these other things. No one is sidelined. You're all invited on God's team and you're guaranteed the success if you follow his training program, and, which is, verse, the end of verse 12, to be an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Training in these realms is his program, giving attention to being like Christ in all of those areas. These things are hard for everyone, but they're doable by everyone. It's a level playing field. 
You can't come and say, well, I have this, you know, spiritual disability. Uh, nope. Because God has given you the ability to do what he's asked you to do. Um, this, this might seem like a stretch, but uh, you've been to the DMV lately? It's the, it's the great leveler, you know. Rich or poor, we stand in line. And uh, you can't send your, you know, personal assistant down to, you know, take your photo for you or something. You have to just show up. At least I, I don't know of a way around us all just enduring the DMV. It's like the, the leveling field. And this is what it's like in, uh, in, in God's family. It's, it's a level field. You know, we're all, they say the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You know, there's no super Christians. There's no special category. It's like training spiritually is hard for us all, it's doable for us all, and it's worthwhile for us all. You're never too old to stop. You're never too young to start. Think of Jesus in the temple. You know, he's just a kid, and everyone's like, oh, wow, he, you know, we're blown away by all that he knows. I know it's hard to use Jesus as an example because, you know, he's obviously Jesus. Um, I think uh, the other end, um, I heard of a, an uh, older woman, she was an uh, invalid, you know, she couldn't get out of her home at all, but she took up the ministry of writing letters to prisoners to encourage them spiritually. It's like she wasn't throwing in the towel. She's like, well, what do I have now? What can I do? I'm just going to keep pressing on to make a difference in eternity, keep, keep trying to, you know, follow Christ in, in, in love and character and conduct and speech and just do it all, all my life, no matter where I am, no matter how I feel. Spiritual training, you don't need a, a doctor's note first. You know, Hanny doesn't have to sign your thing off to say, like, okay, you can start this program, you're, you're, you're good. You just, you just do it. You just start it. Maybe you felt intimidated at church because, you know, maybe you feel young or, or old or you're unfamiliar with how things work here. But each and every one of you can today make an intentional focus on training your soul. Okay, fourth reason. Soul training is so, so worth your effort because it will yield noticeable results. Uh, verses 14 to 15. Don't neglect this gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your what? Your progress. Yep. You do these things, and people are going to notice that you're becoming a different kind of person. They'll see your results, not overnight, but in time. When you make a habit of immersing yourself in soul training, you'll gradually become the person God intended you to be. Christ-like. The fruit of the Spirit starts just kind of growing out of you. You respond in physical ways. Um, my wife and I recently... Uh, bought some uh, exercise equipment. Uh, this ball was one of them, and this little roller thing that makes me actually want to throw up just like thinking about doing it. I don't know if you've done those things. Um, but if you look at the boxes of things that are meant for physical fitness, uh, the covers or the advertisements, uh, they make some bold promises. And uh, I can guarantee you those people didn't look that way by sitting on that ball. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's a pipe dream that's never going to happen based on those pictures that they send with this equipment. But 
when God's at work in you, it most certainly will happen. There certainly will be real results, real noticeable results as you daily yield to his program for your life. One day you realize, I, I used to respond differently to that situation. That used to really throw, throw me off, or that used to really you know, trip me up. But I realized, you know, I, I was able to do the right thing this time. I was able to respond in a, in a godly way, and, and that's such an encouragement. But in here it says, you know, others are going to notice also. You look at that person you know and love, and you say, wow, they, used to, they didn't used to be like that. God's doing something in their lives, and what an encouragement that is. Okay, I just want to interject here, because I think a whole topic like this can send us down the wrong road and can uh, lead us to a line of thinking that says, I have made myself. I've trained hard. I've become this person that God wants me to be, and now I can somehow take credit for it. And, and I just want to tell you, that is a wrong line of thinking. I want to point you back to the essence of soul training is being nourished by Jesus. And uh, this is described well by, by Jesus <laughs> in John 15, where he says, well, that's an exercise ball. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides or dwells, remains, is nourished in me and I in him. It's he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is not a message about self-improvement and self-help, but it's a message about where we turn to get real spiritual nourishment. And so it's a daily yielding our desires to his desires and daily relying on his strength. And, and honestly, a lot of soul training is just um, making a habit of spending time with Jesus. And we make a habit of you know, talking to him, listening to him and his word, being with his people. We make those habits. He uses that to transform us. You see, there's maybe a subtle but huge difference in those two ways of thinking. Jesus is the source and the strength. The heart of soul training is turning the reins over to God. So soul training, it's so worth it. The eternal results, uh, is based on the certainty that God is alive, which he certainly is. It doesn't matter who you are. It yields real results. But, but what does it actually accomplish? What, what are these results, and what are we talking about? So fifth, fifth reason, final reason. Soul training is worth your effort and my effort because through it, God brings spiritual life to yourself and to others. Verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Again, inside, outside. Persist or continue in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. By training your soul, you participate in God's big plan. A while back, I was involved in a, a Bible study course called The Course of Your Life. It was sort of this is what life is all about. This is what God's doing in the world, and here's your part in it. And uh, 
The author, Tony Payne, summarized it like this. God's agenda for the course of your new lives in Christ is this. Two things. To transfer forgiven rebels like us, all included, out of the domain of darkness and into his eternal kingdom. It's, that's his first thing, part of his agenda. The second part is to transform us towards maturity in Christ as we wait for his return. And that's the second part. And I think Paul captures that in this little phrase, salvation for yourself and others. You know, we should each be about drawing closer to Jesus and reaching out and drawing others closer to Jesus. Uh, we, we use this little phrase here, to know Christ and make him known is what we're about. It's those two parts. We want to draw closer to him, and we want to, to share that with others. Um, the problem is, with that phrase, is sometimes we could think knowing is just in an intellectual way. Like, oh, well, the goal of our church is to know more things about Jesus, and then to tell those things to other people also. But no, 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 these are experiential words. Like you know somebody. It's, uh, it's about relationship, not, uh, not an intellectual knowing it's not knowledge and information, but it's relationship and transformation. That kind of knowing. We want a world, as in uh, the Lord's Prayer, where things on earth are as they are in heaven. Where people love and follow Jesus. And sometimes we start with that goal and we try to imagine a program or a system or something to get there. But... What we're told here is, no, we back up. How do we change the world? By being the kind of people God wants us to be. And how do we become the kind of people God wants us to be? By soul training. By daily yielding. By daily being nourished by him. By daily, those million little small decisions, we just say, I'm just going to do what's right instead of what's wrong. And we see that God transforms us and he transforms others and he brings spiritual vitality and life to ourselves and to those around us. It is so, so worth it. The, the eternal nature of soul training, the, the confidence we can put in the living God. Uh, I'm so glad it's not limited by who we are, but it's open to all of us. Noticeable results and... The result is that God brings spiritual life to yourselves and others. So just think about it this week. Think about um, uh, two things. One is, what soul training habits might you incorporate into your life? Maybe you need more of God's word just permeating in you. Maybe you need a habit of, of, of memorizing it and, uh, or, or a reading schedule or some way to be ingesting and being more nourished on his word or time in, in prayer or or maybe some fellowship with other believers. Maybe there's just habits in your week where you're like, man, I, I need training. I need a training program. I need help in this way and to be nourished. Also, as you think about these coming days, where are um, the crisis training moments? You know, those sparring matches, those things that are on the horizon that you think, oh, this is a place where I could get tripped up. And go into that with the mindset of, God's given me the strength to do what's right in any given circumstance, and he's with me in that. Train your souls like it matters because it really, 
really does. It's the most important thing we can do with our lives is to invest in our spiritual relationship with Christ. And um, Paul says it's worth it. I, I agree with him, and uh, I think it will transform us as we invest in that way. Um, let's just ask the Lord for his help in this way. Lord God, thank you for loving us so much and for, for rescuing us from our, our own uh, wandering ways and bringing us into your family and then giving us the answers to the ways that we can live our lives um, that would be shaped to look more like Jesus, to be uh, bearing the fruit of your Holy Spirit and be honoring to our Father God. And Lord, may each of us this week be completely in invested in that pursuit because it's so, so worth it. And uh, we absolutely need your help to do this. And so we just beg for your mercy and your, your help and are, are thankful that you give it to us. And God, I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.